Hey everybody, welcome back to another edition of the First in Orange podcast sponsored by sportsbetting.com. This is Denver Post sports writer Kyle Newman joined as usual by my colleague Ryan O'Halloran breaking down the Broncos week 13 road test in Kansas City and looking back at the farce of a game this past Sunday against New Orleans 31-3 as the quarterback list Broncos got their butts kicked. Also talking ownership, uh, Drew Locke's mindset as he returns to the field after being benched by COVID last week. And also the Chiefs, a two-touchdown favorite, is another blowout coming as Kansas City has won 10 straight games in the series. But first, Ryan, some injury updates. And Bryce Callahan headed to injured reserve, but with one defensive back going out the door, at least temporarily, another one coming back into the fold in Will Parks, who whose tenure in Philly just didn't work out. Yeah, and uh, Callahan will be uh, placed on IR, so he'll miss the next three games. It's a huge loss. Uh, he was their best cover guy the entire season. A couple interceptions, a lot of tight coverage, good tackler. Now you're going against Tyreek Hill, second leading receiver in pro football, so that's a problem. You know, Will Parks off waivers. He was their diamond nickel guy through different parts of last year for the Broncos. He's not eligible to play against Kansas City because of the COVID protocols and testing and whatnot, but he will be uh, eligible for the Carolina game. And, you know, I think the Broncos, you know, hey, let's get him back in the building. And, you know, Elijah Holder's been taking care of that dime role. Uh, but, you know, see, see what Will's about. Maybe you can uh, resign him and uh, he can stay here next year, too. Again, folks, first in Orange podcast sponsored by sportsbetting.com, the best price on the Broncos point spread anywhere. Head to sportsbetting.com slash post for a new player offer for 100% risk-free week of betting up to $1,000 and give them a follow on Twitter at WeSportsBetting. So uh, got through the injury updates, nuts and bolts, and Brandon McManus, he wasn't at practice today, but it seems like a personal reason he'll be back. No, no issues there. Now, some uh, some drama this week. Of course, we had the quarterback drama last week with three of the four being ruled ineligible due to that high-risk con- contact tracing. Drew Locke apologizing on Twitter for not wearing his mask and then apologizing again on, in person via Zoom this week. So had that drama. And then the ownership drama cropping up again here, Ryan. And Beth Boland-Wallace, second oldest of late Broncos owner Pat Boland's seven children, issuing a statement to Denver Post calling for a smooth and timely transition, and then the other bowling contingent firing back via another statement. So more drama here, and is this team going to get sold? I mean, it it sounds like it's headed to court this summer, Ryan. Yeah, just to give people a quick Cliff Notes version, since it's been a while since we talked about this, but um, I'll start at the end. Ultimately, this team will be sold. Joe Ellis said as much last December after the season ended, that if Brittany Boland or another child did not get unanimous support from her, his or her siblings, uh, they would not get to be controlling owner. Brittany Boland doesn't have the votes. Beth Boland never had the votes, nor the support of the trustees. Uh, that Beth's statement, people say, well, why now? Well, they're four and seven. I mean, if this team was seven and four and in wild card or uh, division title contention, there wouldn't have been a statement. But, you know, she's been bothered by the performance on the field like every Broncos fan. Uh, but, you know, these kind of things with the legalese and the statements, you got to read between the lines. And a, a timely and smooth transition, that means one thing. That means please sell the team uh, because there's no, there's not going to be any kind of transition other than the status quo, which is not working in their eyes. So um, Hugh Gottschalk, local lawyer, 
he's the attorney for Annabelle Bull and Pat's widow. He had his own statement uh, Wednesday night, basically saying, "Hey, uh, to put the team up for sit for sale right now before the trial would be improper." He also told me in a phone interview he fully expects this trial to happen uh, July of 2021. So, you know, Bronco fans hoping there's a new owner in place for Week One of 2021. That's probably a big ask, but I think by 2022 uh, there should be some uh, different people in place. Again, folks, first in Orange podcast sponsored by sportsbetting.com. That's Ryan O'Halloran talking Broncos ownership situation. Always in flux as it has been for the past few years since Pat Boland died. And again, sportsbetting.com, the best price on the Broncos point spread anywhere. Check them out and check them out on Twitter at WeSportsBetting. So before we move on to take a look at Kansas City in the long odds the Broncos face at Arrowhead Stadium, let's rewind a little bit, Ryan. I mentioned the quarterback's the coronavirus violation for not properly wearing their masks during a Tuesday meeting where Drew Locke and co came in trying to get in some extra work. Well, cameras busted them. They were pulled off the field on Saturday and the Broncos had basically less than 24 hours to throw together a last minute wildcat game plan Call Kendall Hinton up from the practice squad. And he was a practice squad wideout, but Pat Shermer said he was playing secondary on the uh, on the practice squad on the scout team last week. So all kinds of moving parts for the Broncos. And of course, without a bonafide quarterback, the result was pretty predictable, a 31 to three crushing by the saints at empower field. And this week, Ryan, you were on the call with Roger Goodell as the commissioner defended the decision to have the game. Yeah. Roger basically said tough bleep. The rules are in place. The players were aware of the rules of high high risk close contact means automatic five days isolation um i thought sunday was a disgrace i it was a you know it was a uh black mark for the league it should not happen again the league should make sure it doesn't happen again the broncos definitely will make sure but this was this was a situation of the quarterbacks did the punishment fit the crime no was the cover-up allegedly they misled the people interviewing them at the league was the cover-up worse than the crime most likely um if i was roger goodell i would have told i would have told the broncos uh drew lock and Brett ripper are ineligible but you got to play a quarterback somehow so it's blake bortles all these guys tested negative they're all none of them had symptoms but my thing was it was a health and safety issue philip Lindsay got hurt running the wildcat quarterback um other guys could have gotten injured playing positions they're not used to. And it was a competitive integrity thing. Competitive integrity went on vacation on Sunday. So it's, uh, you know, are the Broncos to blame? Yeah, sure, a little bit. But I, I think the league made it worse on Saturday uh, with the way they handled it. And I, and I think the Broncos could have handled it a little bit better. They should have come out a little more forceful and say, this is not right. We disagree with this. We support our quarterbacks. Instead, those quarterbacks were thrown under the bus by their head football coach after Sunday's game. Again, folks, First in Orange podcast sponsored by sportsbetting.com. Kyle Newman alongside Ryan O'Halloran talking about Broncos Week 12 shellacking to the Saints. And, of course, Ryan gave you all the details on that. And then, hey, Ryan, probably didn't make it any better that Drew Locke's mom then weighed in on Monday following the game. A a fierce and vigorous defense of her son on Twitter. Uh, More vigorous than, obviously, than that offered at Broncos headquarters, where, as you said, Fangio threw him under the bus on Sunday and then pretty much backed that up all week when asked about it. Yeah, shockingly. Uh, you know, Laura Locke was reading the clipping. She was reading the twi- tweets. And she says, somebody's got to support my kid. 
that's going to be me. Um, you know, did I have a problem with it? It made, it made for good drama. Uh, I'm sure Drew, you know, probably said, hey, you know, we're taking care of this in-house. But that's what it came to is his parents saw the Broncos not speaking up for their kid, so they did it themselves. So it uh, that part, you know, there's, there's, it seems like there was another twist every day. Things have seemingly calmed down. Uh, Blake Bortles is basically their quarantine quarterback this week. He hasn't been at practice Wednesday or Thursday. And then they're doing all these meetings virtual now. That's probably going to be the way the rest of the year. And this stuff where you can come into the facility on your off day and watch film, that's over. They can't do that anymore. So, um, you know, it's uh, 2020 in a nutshell over in, in Broncos land the last couple of days. And one more thought on this, Ryan, before we move to some sports betting talk. And this ties in with the ownership discussion we just had. I had seen some tweets on Twitter raising this question as well. If Pat Bolin was in charge or if the Broncos had a bona fide owner like most teams do, do you think they would have got you know, slapped in the face like this, so to speak, by the league and saying, hey, tough cookies, got to play without a QB? Um, I go back and forth on that. Um, let's say that uh, Goodell held up the ruling after hearing from the Broncos owner. Well, we probably would have gotten something from a Broncos owner Saturday night saying, this, this is BS. This is stupid. You know, we're not going to have a shot to win on Sunday. Something that had a little bit of oomph to it. And uh, instead, because the owners say, hey, I'm a billionaire. You can find me 50 grand. I'm going to support my team. I'm going to support my players, support my organization. Say, we're doing the right things. Was there a mistake made? Yes, but it doesn't fit the punishment. One iota. And um, I do think that's come to the forefront. Some other people locally said it wouldn't have made a difference. It may not have, but it sure as heck would have spiced things up. Again, folks, First and Orange podcast sponsored by sportsbetting.com, the best price on the Broncos point spread anywhere. Sportsbetting.com slash post for a new player offer for a 100% risk-free week of betting up to $1,000. And speaking of sports betting, Broncos 14-point underdog heading into this Sunday primetime matchup against the Chiefs. Kansas City, as I mentioned earlier, they've won 10 straight in the series, the last three in utter blowout fashion. What do you like about those odds, Ryan? And then also, entering Week 13, who do you like better to win each conference title, Chiefs or Steelers in the AFC, and then NFC Saints, Seahawks, or Packers? Yeah, I I, I did my research on this 14-point spread Going back at least 35 years, the Chiefs have never been this big of a favorite against the Broncos, which tells you how good the Chiefs are and how not non-respected the Broncos are. Uh, if I had to lay down five bucks, I would bet on the Broncos getting the 14 points because I do think it's going to be a high-scoring game and there's going to be some empty calorie touchdowns for the Broncos in the fourth quarter. Uh, you mentioned the Chiefs have won 10 straight. This team has not been competitive since Vic Fangio came here against the Chiefs. He's well aware of that. Um, you mentioned the last three little blowouts. You know, the over-under is 51. I would tell the over. Um, I think in Sunday's paper, I picked something like 37-24 Chiefs. So I think it's going to be a high-scoring game because weather isn't expected to be a factor. Um, with the AFC, NFC, and start AFC, I think the Chiefs are the overwhelming favorite. Uh, they, they belong at the top of the table, even though they're second in the AFC behind the Pittsburgh Steelers. You know, watch the Pittsburgh... Uh, in person earlier this year and also against Baltimore on TV earlier this week. The Steelers have to make, you know, the Steelers aren't going to blow anybody out. They're not going to scare anybody. They're just finding ways to win with their defense and timely offense. So I think the Chiefs should be the favorite. NFC is interesting. They got New Orleans as the favorite. Unless Drew Brees is back, 
I'll buy it. Taysom Hill did not impress me very much as a thrower against the Broncos last week. The Seahawks got a problem. They can't stop a lot of people. The fact they stopped Philadelphia on Monday night shows you how bad the Eagles' offense is. Okay, who's your favorite? I'd make Green Bay my favorite right now because they can run it. Um, and they, they, they seem to have some opportunistic defensive players to produce takeaways. So by the rollout, uh, a couple bucks right now, I'd say Kansas City, Green Bay, and the Super Bowl. How about you? Uh, did the Chiefs cover Sunday night? Who would be your picks out of both conferences? Yeah, I think the Chiefs cover. I picked the Chiefs to win, I think, by three touchdowns uh, or something egregious like that in our scattering report. So I got the Chiefs covering. Then in terms of the Super Bowl, definitely like the Chiefs uh, odds to get there. Even with the Steelers' undefeated record, I just think Kansas City far, far and away the better team and Patrick Mahomes and, and that offense, as we'll see on Sunday, way too hard to stop. I agree with you on the Seahawks, despite Russell Wilson having an MVP campaign, just don't think their defense is good enough to withstand throughout the playoffs. I got my money on the Packers coming out of the NFC and Aaron Rodgers getting the job done with a, with another conference championship over there. So yeah, yeah. yeah and here's the thing, just to interrupt real quick on these favorites, home field's not going to mean anything in the playoffs because if it, Pittsburgh has an empty stadium. The Chiefs have like 15,000 people. Seattle's empty. Green Bay's empty. New Orleans has a couple thousand, I think. So those hostile environments of crowd noise, are really going to open things up where I think you're going to get great value if you start betting road teams in the playoffs because that home field advantage where it's crowd noise, false starts, communication problems, those are going to be totally by the wayside. So, yeah, you know, I think uh, road teams winning the playoffs should not surprise anybody this year. Again, folks, first in Orange podcast sponsored by sportsbetting.com. Head to sportsbetting.com slash post for a new player offer. Give them a follow on Twitter at WeSportsBetting. And a big factor in the Broncos' ability to even contend this Sunday is Drew Locke, who's thrown 11 picks since returning from that shoulder injury. Obviously, he missed last week, but he has not played well since coming back from that injury he suffered in Week 2. And he's got to get it turned around, and he knows it. And, you know, he was visibly frustrated on the Zoom earlier this week with all the questions on the on the mask and the violation. He, he owned up to that again. But uh, he knows he's got a big one in front of him, and he knows also that, you know, reflecting and dwelling on the blowout against New Orleans and the quarterback quandary that he and the others put the team in is not going to help them on Sunday night in KC. Yeah, I mean, this is uh, yeah, this is a five-game referendum for Drew Locke. Am I, am I insinuating that if he doesn't go well, he's not going to be the quarterback next year? No, but, you know, they could acquire a veteran. Uh, they could sign another guy and have competition. And I think that's what Drew Locke's goal over the next five games should be is tell John Elway, I'm good enough. I made enough progress. I should go into 2021 the same way I went into 2020. And that's a quarterback without competition for the starting job. So, uh, yeah, I think, you know, I mean, last time I said Drew Locke played well, he threw four interceptions against the Las Vegas Raiders. So, do I want to go back to that well again? Let's go back to that well. Uh, I don't think they're going to win Sunday night, but I think Drew's going to play well. It uh, it you know mix the run in the pass. If I'm Pat Shermer, start taking some chances down the field, which they haven't had a ton of success, but also some trick plays, uh, maybe a fake punt, something like that to steal the possession and keep Mahomes off the field. Here's the other thing for this Bronco offense, and I'll tee you up on this because you're writing about it for Saturday's paper. Broncos offense got to stay on the field. They got to convert on third down. And when they're in the red zone, they got to score touchdowns. 
what did some of your reporting and, and questions about that uh, reveal this week? Yeah, well, I started with Noah Fant, and the way I teed it up to him was like, hey, you know, Mahomes loves to target Kelsey on third down, and they move the sticks a lot that way. And, you know, reading between the lines of Fant's answer, he had said basically, yeah, I'd like to be more of a factor on third down, and really the Broncos need him to be more of a factor. They need Jerry Judy to be more of a factor on, you know, those third and medium, third and longs, which they have found themselves in quite a bit this year. And, Ryan, you mentioned it. You look at those numbers heading into this game in Kansas City, Broncos 30th and third down percentage at 36.1 and 30th and red zone scoring percentage at 48.2. Compare that with the Chiefs, their first and third down percentage uh, not so good at, in red zone, 18, tie for 18th there, but still far better than the Broncos. So uh, that's not going to fly in Kansas City, especially, Ryan, when you're trying to keep the ball away from Patrick Mahomes. And, hey, by the way, Chiefs rank first in average time of possession at 30 minutes and 17 seconds a game. So can't be going three and out, and you got to convert on third down if you're locking the Broncos on Sunday. Yeah, one thing in the Miami game where they where they're better on third down is they stayed on schedule. They did they got four or five yards on first down, which allowed Pat Shermer to call whatever he wanted on second down, and you know they get in the and they get into those manageable third and two, third and three where you can run or pass, you know what you don't want to do against the Chiefs, which is a pressure defense, uh, is get a third line that that frees up Chris Jones that interior pass rush that frees up uh, Frank Clark from the edge. Teron Matthew maybe blitzing from the slot or the safety spot. So, uh, you know, what, where this offense has gotten in trouble this year is when they've had third in a million, and you don't convert those very often. First Norwich Podcast, sponsored by sportsbetting.com. Kyle Newman, Ryan O'Halloran. We'll close the show with just uh, some final notes on this Broncos-KC matchup, and we both basically alluded it to to it earlier. It sounds like we're both picking blowouts, although maybe you think the Broncos can uh, can – not get blown out by two touchdowns and thus the spread. But uh, what do you think, Ryan? How can the Broncos prevent a possible blowout? And it definitely seems to start with Tyreek Hill, who toasted Tampa Bay last week and, and was doing a Shannon Sharp impression on the sideline. Yeah, if I'm, if I'm the Broncos, I look at that Buccaneer uh, chief tape and say, we're going to do the opposite what Todd Bowles did. Trust the Carlton Davis in man coverage, lead on a rookie safety to patrol the middle of the field. That didn't work. Uh, Justin Simmons probably a little bit farther advanced than Antonio Winfield as a safety in this league, so he probably won't fall for some of the manipulations of Patrick Holmes. How about this? How about getting a lead? Uh, you know, taking the air out of the football a little bit, having a couple long drives with Gord, with Phil Lindsay. I would give Royce Freeman a chance to run it because he was the one bright spot. And some of the rushing plays he had against New Orleans out of the Wildcat, those can be incorporated into your game plan. And, you know, you never know if Phil Lindsay will be limited with that knee injury. So I would try and, you know, uh, run it, hold it, and make sure Patrick Mahomes doesn't get on the field that often. I don't think that's going to happen. I think Kansas City's going to come out guns blazing for those first three quarters and then coast to the finish line. That's Ryan O'Halloran. This is Kyle Newman. You've been listening to the First Orange Podcast, sponsored by sportsbetting.com. Appreciate you tuning in, and be sure to head to denverpost.com slash broncos for continued coverage of the team throughout this week and the rest of the season and beyond. Until next time, folks, take it easy.